tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads in over 150 countries and your number one source for after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Welcome back, everybody, to AfterBuzz TV's Manhattan after show team bobby marissa's back that's right up top on a good show on a good show <laughs> what's up everyone i'm your host marissa seraphine joining me what's up guys bobby demiro here uh just you know getting tweets and stuff talking about manhattan already yeah i'm so excited for it we are doing season two episode one the premiere damnatio memoriae really quickly bobby what did you think of this episode um I don't know yet. You don't know. <laughs> no, look, I mean, in, there's... In there's, a good way? Or yeah, no, 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 in a good way. It's definitely good. Like, and we'll get into it. There's a lot of holes, and they're not bad. It's not, like, a shortcoming of the show. It's just we need to figure out a lot of stuff in the next couple of weeks with, like, Frank and everything. I don't... It, let, let me let me start with this. And maybe I'm wrong, and if I'm wrong, call me out. Or y'all at home, call me out on YouTube or Twitter or whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't like Charlie. And I know we're kind of not supposed to. But Charlie's quickly becoming kind of an antagonist. He's this year so far very early for me, and maybe I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. He's what Reed Akeley was last year, for a lot of last year until the very end. Am I? Is that crazy? I can see that. I can see definitely the similarities between Reed and Charlie. Yeah. I think Charlie is more the reluctant. I don't want to call him a reluctant hero, but he's just the reluctant person who's been forced into this situation due to you know circumstances, people losing their lives, and he is the smartest one right now. Yeah. Now that Frank's gone, he has to be the one in charge. And granted, I I understand sometimes he might have to be the person that known the jerk, but if it's to move the story forward, sure. Yeah, and like the affair is weighing on me with Helen, and I know Abby's not innocent. Abby did her thing too. It's not mm-hmm. like you know Charlie and Abby both are at fault uh, to a certain extent there, but like the affairs there, the speech where he's—I don't know—I just something about Charlie is wigging me out, and and I want to see one of the biggest shortcomings of the show that they will address this year, and they need to address. Frank has to come back. We got to see Frank. Such a good character, such a good acting job. Frank is so much more experienced. Charlie looks at everything because he's so young. He mentioned in his speech tonight he's 28. 28. So he's so young. He he they they have to make that character look at everything very innocently relative to the rest of the hill. And now that Fisher's dead, we have one cunning character gone, forget it. Ugh. Frank is gone. Will, you know, I mean, come on, Frank will come back. Gone but not forgotten. <laughs> but we need a guy like Frank back. I want to see somebody like that because his, his his character depth is different. And it's not a bad thing. I mean, Charlie does what he does and the show's interesting with him. But, like, I don't know. I just – and I have no good reason for it. I don't like Charlie right now. Okay. I, I can see where you're coming from. There's something definitely off-putting about Charlie. Yes. But we still have a while to get to that point where we can't 
trust him. Oh, yeah, and they'll address it. I mean, this is what you do in the first episode of a season. You, yeah. like, set up all these questions so that we sit here and we're like, what the hell is What's going, going on? on? Um, so they'll definitely address it. I just, like, once one episode in, we have the screeners for the first four, what, four or five episodes. Four, yeah. So if we wanted to, we could watch the next four, like, tonight. Mm-hmm. And I almost want to and just be like, is Charlie going to get, you know cool again. <laughs> I don't know. There's just something. Something's there. And I'm interested to see that arc. There's a lot of arcs I'm interested to see, but really with Charlie, and not even about the bomb anymore. Just how yeah. he how he works the politics of the hill. Uh, is Oppenheimer a good guy or a bad guy? Because Oppenheimer likes to play all these guys against each other and mm-hmm. is under his own pressure from the government that we see. I mean, Oppenheimer's, we don't see it a lot, but Oppenheimer's under the gun himself. So I is think that a good Opp- guy? Oppenheimer's the guy who just sets up the pawns everywhere and let everyone else play the game. But that's, I'm with you, but I also wonder, is Oppenheimer himself a pawn of the next level up? We saw that meeting today. Is he today. just a bureaucrat? Exactly. We saw that meeting today with Oppenheimer and Charlie where they were kind of criticizing Charlie, but all those guys were coming down on Oppenheimer too, be like, how is this not done? We're getting our clock clean and so it's like how much pressure is Oppenheimer under that we're not seeing that we look at Oppenheimer and we're like "Eh, something's about this dude he's messing with people but maybe he's the one getting messed with we always had questions about Oppenheimer too just his character and the nature of him is he really good is he really bad is he I mean obviously he's under the the work of US government but he still is still questionable that we're questioning all of his motives and everything, why he's letting people do X, Y, and Z. Yeah. But, all right, let's get into this episode, though. I mean, we start with Charlie was a big factor in tonight's episode. Had to be. No so, Frank. Had to no be. No Frank. And Frank is missing. We'll get to missing Frank. But Charlie's, like, just trying to figure out his place in the world. And Oppenheimer's now making him taking the charge of this cavalry, I guess you can say, over Team Implosion. What do you think of this? Do you think this is a good idea? Or is it last resort? We don't have anyone else here on the hill that can that knows the physics and well, know what we're up to. Helen. Helen. Helen called out Charlie for saying, I know the physics better than you. I could take over the team. But here's the thing. So, so to take over Team Implosion, you have to have two skills. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and I don't certainly don't live in the corporate world, but people who live in the corporate world who have managers, who have managers on a corporate level, like managers have to, in an ideal world, know what you do, know how to push you to your strengths. You do you, you do you, yeah. down the line, and push and them team, to be the best. Exactly, and as a team, we get it done. But managers also have to play the political game with their managers, with with corporate clients and whatever else. And so it's the same thing on the Hill. Like, they're they're talking about nuclear war, but it's the same idea. So I don't know thus far if Charlie can balance playing the politics game and the science game. And I think Helen would do even worse. It's not her shortcoming. She seems damn sharp. It's the sexism of the time. How do you think Helen is going to walk into a meeting if she were ever to take over for Charlie with all those bureaucrats from Washington? Do you think they're going to respect her? No. Absolutely not. Heck so no. we didn't see a lot of science today. We saw actually zero politics. science today. We saw today. the politics. I mean, we saw Meeks at the end going up into the tower. But even that's not science. It's just no. exposition for the story. Um, we saw all politics. And I'm wondering how... Whoever it is, and now it's Charlie, how they're going to balance the politics and the science. Because thus far, Charlie is in over his head politically. Maybe he'll get bailed out now that Fisher's dead, but something's obviously going to catch up to him. Yeah. And and he doesn't, I don't think he has what it takes. What do you think of Charlie's speech that he addresses to everybody, be it like, and making up a seemingly white lie about Frank, be like, he's gone, 
I'm taking over. You didn't call Frank. He did not just call, get off the no. phone with Frank. But in a positive way, he did say, we're all here because of Frank. So he didn't build Frank up to be the villain in all this, like... He's just gone because of politics. And, and that that I actually like that moment for Charlie. White lie or not, um, Frank does deserve credit. He was yelling implosion since start of since season day one. one. Um, so so that that works. I don't know with Oppenheimer looking on. What do you think Charlie gained from the Frank thing? Was it just in other words? Was it just Charlie clearing his conscience about Frank and he could do it publicly and say we owe Frank Winter, knowing that you never, nobody's ever going to owe him. He's not going to be here, as far as Charlie knows. Or does he gain something with Oppenheimer by saying that? You know, I, th- I think it was more the the first that Charlie was trying to make himself feel better and also kind to you know sometimes you convince yourself yeah. when you're talking to other people you convince yourself whatever actions you've done is for the for the better greater good. And also, when we saw Oppenheimer listening to the speech, it seemed like a little bit of a mutiny going on. This is Charlie going against Oppenheimer, yeah. even though Oppenheimer would be told him all these things to Charlie, be like, you're going to do X, Y, and Z, but you have all these regulations. So, I mean, if that's the case, does Charlie have too much of a conscience for this job? Because what you're trying to do with a nuclear bomb, as we will know in, what, 21 days, mm-hmm. um, you're trying to kill millions of people. Let's be real. Yeah, and I think that's why we, we're we both agreeing that Charlie's in over his head. Yeah. He's a brilliant scientist. He knows the math. He knows the numbers and all that. But he doesn't have the the spine to deal with all the politics going on right now. And, I mean, look, Oppenheimer picked him for a reason. Let's be real. I think we all kind of can see that he was picked from Oppenheimer's perspective or from Akeley's perspective earlier on or whatever because mm-hmm. he can be a pawn. He, he's in over his head. So you can it's use him as the scapegoat. You know, you can say it's his fault. He did this or whatever it ends up being. It's this kid's fault. He's 28. He's new. He's fresh. He doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Blame this guy. Yeah. You know, and and Frank, and they did this to Frank too. I mean, they railroaded Frank, obviously. But Frank is older, smarter, understands how the game works, was a much tougher cookie. So I think it's like, hey, we got to get rid of Frank. But Charlie, we can, he's putty in our hands relative Mm -hmm. to whatever. So now with Fisher dead and gone, I think the most important thing of this season just happened. I know we got... 13 episodes left or whatever but fisher's death man holy oh, crap goodness that that completely changes the season i will reserve judgment because we've all only seen one episode but i hope it changed it for the better but let me just say i'm skeptical fisher's character was phenomenal yes okay because we're talking of fisher's death well, he interacted with a lot of people tonight Liza yeah. and helen and like everybody he's everybody's best friend and heck even meeks who Meeks? What a coward! What do you think Meeks is doing? He obviously we find out from the end of season one that he is the mole, and yep. now he's back. I was still lying to the government, being like, "This is my mother's death," getting away with a lot of things, and people feeling sorry for him. I was like, "No, don't feel sorry for him." I was having a problem watching Meeks because we, as an audience, know that he's bad, and then he's lingering around, still being very mischievous and. And mysterious and whatnot. I was like, could you be a little less subtle? <laughs> you know, or more subtle, really. Obviously, it's not ironic that his name is Meeks. Is Meeks, yeah. Because he's kind of a meek guy. Mousy character. Or, you, th- or you know, you think he's a meek guy. Um, Fisher's death. Didn't see it coming at all. Great surprise. Good scene. Really good, like, death struggle. Really, really, really in, compelling. In the rain. I loved how this episode began with rain and ended with rain. Just, like, bookended each point. other with yeah. a storm. Um, but, yeah, his death... Uh, I'm mad about it. Now, now, do you think they would jump 
the temporal structure would go forward and back and forward and back. Like, will we see Fisher again from something that happened a year before, six weeks before, you know? I think so, too, because we know me. Uh, sorry, not me. Uh, Fisher is the person who questions everybody, and they, in turn, question themselves, and then they question everybody. He's the one that stirs the pot. Yeah. And that's what I really liked about Fisher. As mysterious as he was, he was the one bringing up all the questions that the audience were having about each character, like, what's your motivation behind doing this and that? And he was the voice of the audience, and now that we don't have that, who can we really trust? I didn't trust Fisher at all, though. Even though it was the voice of the audience or the voice of some of the questions we might have been having, he was the smarmiest guy in the room, which he is was. why he was so great. That's why he was so On compelling. purpose, yeah. yes, on purpose. But it's like, damn it, now that he's But he gone, served a purpose. He did. And it's weird. Like, this show, this the theme of today's episode is, like, character loss. We lose we lose Callie. We lose Fisher. We lose Frank. Frank will probably come back. Callie, I assume, would come back. Dunlavey uh, by, by extension. Exactly. We lose Dunlavey because if Callie's storyline is gone... Dunlavey's gone. What's Dunlavey? You know, so he's, a he's not private. really adding anything. Um, it, so I don't know what the hell's... You know, we lose... Um, what's Colonel Cox is obviously gone, has been mm. gone. Yep. And Darrow's an interesting replacement. Colonel we'll Darrow get to comes in. him in mm. a minute. Um, I'm still stuck. I'm still stuck on Charlie is not as nice of a dude as he was in the first season for me. I don't like him as much. And well, it shows how much it shows how much Charlie has changed within yeah. less than a year. Yeah, this has only happened over a few months. The dynamic of the Charlie Abby relationship. Yes, let's get into that. Who's let's. this is going to sound stupid, but like, who's the winner? Like, who's winning right now? And I know that's not you don't win in relationships, but who do you, who do you find you're falling on the side of? I'm falling on the side of Abby because Me too. okay. I'm, I'm glad we agree with that because Abby, she's been in a way neglected by Charlie. Granted, he's busy with this whole project and whatnot. And then, but both, I feel for both of them too because they're both suffering from, you know, depression. They're they're not with their loved ones and they're separated from each other. And they need that comfort in life. And granted, they're finding with other partners besides them. And I feel for Abby because she still doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. And she's still in the dark about this. She's going through all these problems. And now knowing that Helen is with Charlie, that's just more of a stab to her just as a woman. And, you know, to find out that your husband is now sleeping with his coworker and you can't do anything about it because you still don't know what your husband's working on. I get that. But also she's pregnant. Or is she? Bobby, you were questioning this. I, yes. I, the interpretation of that scene when she comes home from being, quote, out, which was her word. Out. This is after the scene about asking about abortions. She's mm-hmm. out. And Charlie is there at home, and he says, where were you? She says, I was out. They talk, You know, you guys saw it. Um, do you interpret that as she already had an abortion, or she's still considering it? I think she's still considering it, because when she had a conversation with Ellen, we find out that she used to have one, or she did have one beforehand. She's still talking to... Abby, but saying, that that conversation was before. That conversation was a couple scenes before being out. So I'm wondering if that conversation tipped Abby off. Abby went and did it, and now we're seeing the aftermath. I don't, you know, I don't know. Maybe. I I still think she held on to it though, because now knowing that Charlie, in a way, they they kind of forgave each other somewhat, or like they come to this agreement that Charlie believing that like i didn't give you enough credit i'm he pretty much is apologizes yeah 
and we see at the end of the episode they go into what was Frank Winter's house because you have the the, the glass broken door. Uh, that Liza broke earlier, and they have their other son, and they're like a family kind of again. I always err on the side of the women in this show because, except for Helen, I mean Helen's there of her own volition; she's a scientist. But the yeah. women, the wives, I err on their side if I had to pick a team only because they're here. Not necessarily against their will, but they're here in the dark. Liza was in the dark coming here. Abby's mm-hmm. still in the dark coming here. It's like we're following our husbands. This is our marriage. This is our life. We come here to help the government and get a job and whatever. We don't know what we're getting into. And it's like the guys know. You know, the guys know yeah. enough, even if they don't know everything. Um, the women don't. And it's like, how do you how do you fault them for being skeptical conspiratorial, ignorant, uh, to, to ignorant everything. angry, whatever the emotion yeah, is. It's like, it's completely warranted. And I, and I think Abby gets, at least for me, Abby gets a longer leash. Now cheating is cheating. I mean, both of them screwed both up. Of them Abby, screwed. Abby and Charlie <laughs> both screwed those things up, but Abby gets a longer leash in the relationship with me because she's here for him. She's, she's playing the good wife. You know, yeah, um, and that's why I think that she still didn't go through the abortion because she herself is still a good person. Yeah, okay. I don't think she's strong enough to convince herself to go through it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. There's just th- this episode is a lot of questions. And and not as much exposition as I thought it would have been for season two. I mean, there's a lot for first episode, but not as much exposition as I thought there would have been. Just more questions. And it's like, I don't know, I have a I have hundred different questions. There's a lot of characters that are missing and gone. It's a big game. So so many players and, and whatnot. But. It's great. I love it. I mean, I have a lot of questions. I'm like, hey, this is bad. I want this guy. That's not to say the show's, the show's phenomenal. I love it. It's, it picked up right where it left off in terms of quality and... and Pacing and the all that. Score and the score and the, the way they shoot it and the directing. and the I mean, it's all phenomenal. So this is, this is it's a damn good show. Yeah. I wish more people knew about it. Yeah, and we'll definitely get into that in News and Gossips. Mm-hmm. But before we move on, actually, I want to talk to you about another big game that's going on. Good segue. Football. <laughs> football. Everyone loves football. We here at AfterBuzz TV love football. But you guys who are big football fans out there, I don't know if you heard this, but you need to know, know this. DraftKings.com. If you love football, I'm sure you love fantasy football. I'm a baseball guy, but they do baseball, too. But Jeff yes, Kings Jeff Kings, too. big, big, for the fans who love football, do Jeff Kings. You know what? Every single week, this is how you play it. Every single week, people can sign up at DraftKings.com, use the promo code BUZZ, B-U-Z-Z, and then there you can set up your players and who you want to pick for your DraftKings and whatnot, and you pick your team, pick your players. And what? And every single week, there's a new winner, and you, the first place can win a million dollars. Just, just the first week. So you can get a free trial at DraftKings.com. Use the promo code Buzz B U Z Z. It's life changing. Every day could be a payday. Oh, is that a million bucks would be life changing? It would be, Who's- and it changes every single week. So you could, you have a chance every single week to play this. So you're telling me I could win a million dollars every week? Maybe. <laughs> if you're good every, enough. Probably, probably not every week. If you're okay. good enough, this is DraftKings, big time. It's it's awesome. If you love football, we we love football. And, I mean, who doesn't want to be a millionaire? You're speaking my language. If you had to do a DraftKings draft for Manhattan, who would you take? Who's your, who's your number one pick? Frank, obviously. Even though he's not on the roster right now? 
but he's coming back. That's, he may not he's be on the, on the roster list. this week. He's on the roster next week. I would take... He wouldn't be my number one pick, but I would take Fritz. Mm, interesting. interesting. He's just like... He's low-key consistent. He's... I'd probably take you know a lot of people ahead of him. Maybe Oppenheimer. Dude's got power. But I would, I would, I would look at Fritz only because he's like... You know, adorable, consistent, fun. There you go. Thus far, you don't have to worry about. I don't know. Yeah, so DraftKings is a one-week. Com- there's no long-season commitments. It's one week. It changes every week. Sign up. Pick your players. Pile up the points. Pick your cash. All that fun stuff. Again, that's DraftKings.com. Use the promo code BUZZ. B-U-Z-Z. You have a chance. Awesome. All right. Awesome. All right, let's move on to Team Implosion. We get our Team Implosion. I love seeing the guys again. Because, for, for, for 10 seconds? But even that, they I think they just have such a fun dynamic together. Not according to Crosley. No. Not according to Fitz. What do you think to, of to, to, Paul uh, trying to transfer? And Meeks, not according to Meeks the Mole. Not according to Helen, who's like... Not really one of the guys. I don't know. I, I interpreted it differently. I was like, the team is never going to be the same. I think they all distrust Charlie. When Charlie took over Implosion, that scene where he walks into the lab, the old lab with them, and they're like, what the hell do you mean you're the guy? You know? <laughs> yeah, was... I mean, I, I completely get where they're coming from. Yeah. They've been there longer than Charlie has, and then they're like, hey, we've been working on this. We know the numbers. We've been working with Frank, and then why are you the new guy and everything's in a way being handed to you when we're the ones who've been here working this whole freaking time? I get it. That must be frustrating. I want to see them work more next week. I need to see the team, Team Implosion, whatever it is, or, or, or Charlie's other scientists, whoever it is, or combination. Because the timeline today, July 16, 1945, 21 days until Hiroshima. So yeah. if we go chronologically, as we've kind of, you know, been doing, um, we got to get on the ball. <laughs> it's time. Seriously. But now we had that, you know, flashback or flash forward really at the beginning of the episode. That was 15 months into the future. Yeah. You go 15 months back. We are now in April of 1944. So we still have a long way to go. This team implosion needs a long way to go. And it is they're getting close to test time. Didn't Charlie mention it in his speech? Running a test. Running test. Which we know. Ha- I mean, obviously that Fireworks. happens. In, yeah, that happens in. Real, real life history. Yeah. Um, but that's coming up. Like, I want to see a lot of science next week because that would bring the team back together for me. Yeah. And we also did learn in Flash Forward that Fritz is also there helping Charlie. So we know eventually Team Implosion, as of right now, they're still in a way behind. Yeah. But they, they're they going to work hand in hand with Charlie on this project. So they're, they're getting there. <laughs> Do you think we're going to see, uh, I guess artistically speaking from the production's perspective... Are we going to see more and longer flash forwards as the season goes? So we have the pretty much the start and the finish was the flash forward today mm-hmm. um, with the tower and all that. Are we going to see like you know almost like a half episode, half episode where half of it's in forty four and half of it's in forty five, kind of like that? I would hope so, only because. All of season one was pretty much one basic timeline, yeah. and we didn't get any really any. Explosions. I mean, we got that one test explosion that blew up in Frank's face, but we didn't see the actual bomb being assembled, being tested. We watched 13 episodes and didn't really see anything happen. So only for season two, I would hope they flash forward just to give the audience something to look forward to because we can't go a whole nother season without seeing anything. I, you know, and this is interesting and not to dive too far off this episode, but I'm really interested 
and it'll tell me a lot about the writers and the production in general. How this show deals with the fact that there is a finite end. <laughs> there is a bomb. It gets dropped. There are two bombs. Exactly. I mean, you can't you can't go through 15 seasons of wonderful television because you can't drag out the bomb 15 seasons. Yeah. And after another season or two, the bomb's going to get dropped, and then it's like, oh, the war's over. So mm-hmm. I, I'm interested to see how they've planned for the end of the show. This is obviously longer than a miniseries. We're in season two, but it's kind of miniseries-ish because there's a finite finish here. You can't just say, oh, hey, we're going to go on for eight seasons. You know, no, there's, there's, the, there has to be an exit strategy. Yeah, that's improbable because now we even have a significant timeline, yeah. a definite timeline for 15 months. If you think about it, the first season was about, what, six months I, I predict that season, I mean, we're not two predictions yet, but I think like season two will be around like five to six months again. Maybe season three will be yeah. like the last six. And I, I think that's right. Like maybe three seasons, maybe four, but like you can't drag this yeah. out. So, and this is looking way ahead and it doesn't necessarily matter to this episode, but it just gets me thinking like, what is the exit strategy? How do they start winding it down? Because it's going to come sooner than you think. This season's going to fly by. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, wait a second. Like, I need to see a bomb drop. I need to see the real test. I need to see all this stuff. And I need to see how it wraps up. Um, if they, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. Just something off the top of my head with all the flash forwards. Because it's like the more story you tell, the more you flash forward, the closer you actually get to the end of the show. Yeah, it is. So bomb. how do you do this? Well, right now, that flash forward was just a testing phase. Yeah. So I will give them that. they It was enough to let us be excited for what lies ahead in yeah, the future. definitely. Which is very, very smart. Definitely. So for Team Implosion, we see no Frank. We can't... And he has to come back because we can't have a show without its lead character. I need him back for all all the reasons. Like, lead character, a good, really varied character with the family life, his affair, mm-hmm. um, all the Everyone's science, affairs. all the politics. But also just the little things, the mannerisms, the actor's mannerisms, uh, the, his kind of gravelly voice, the older actor playing off Charlie Isaacs. It's like... You need somebody like Frank there. The team doesn't feel like a team without kind of kooky Frank leading the way. Yeah. You know? And Frank had the passion for it, too. Like, granted, he was old enough and more experienced to also deal with the politics that went in between as well. But he he's the one who really cared for this. Charlie's yeah. just there to do the science, and he was thrown into these positions. Frank is there because he wants to be there. Yeah. And now he's not there because... Who he knows wa- where they took him? <laughs> he wanted to not be there. Yeah. Um, no, I, I agree with you. He has a different level of passion. He has a different level of... Like, Meeks, I think it was Meeks who said today, kind of ironically, like, oh, my mom would want me to be here serving my country, you know. And I, I didn't buy for lie, a second that lie. Meeks believed that. I think I put, well, what BS? <laughs> yeah, and, and spy, you know, spy or whatever aside, even without that, obviously you don't buy that line from Meeks. But Frank, not that he's, you know, gung-ho serving the country, but he believes in the science and the power behind it, and he struggles with the death. Like, we've seen, like, didn't he have dreams and flashbacks of death? Yeah. Like, he struggles with that. Night terrors. But he definitely believes in the power of what they're doing and the importance of it for the world. And Charlie... I think is lying to himself about believing that stuff. Charlie's just kind of a young scientist doing his thing, trying to make a name for whatever it is. Um, I just don't get the same passion out of Charlie. And that's not, I mean, that's a decision. That's the way it should be. Like it makes it interesting, but that's why we need Frank back team hashtag team. Bring back Frank. 
Yep. And they will. I mean, he, he's, they will he's coming back. <laughs> They're just detaining him right now in Lord knows where. And it's cool. It's actually cool that he's gone for the middle because it's kind of chaos in the meantime. So like, what happens when Frank's not there? Everything just falls apart. Yeah. So detain him for another two or three episodes or however long it is. Maybe he comes back next week or maybe in four weeks. But he's got to come back at some time. Yeah. I, w- I want to say next episode. We, although we d- I didn't see the promo for next week. That's yeah. Yet, there were no so. promos on the on the trailer, so yeah. I didn't watch it on TV. We just saw yeah. the you just saw the screen or two, right? Yeah. So there are no promos on that. So. He has to come back though, and he's the main character. If there were, but, actually, that's a good question for fans, for people at home on Af- on YouTube. If you're watching uh, to comment, if you saw on WGN tonight because we were watching the screener, you know, on the internet a couple days ago. If you were watching on WGN and the the upcoming scenes, like the teaser for next week, if Frank is in there. Let us know. Yeah. <laughs> I would love Let to know that. Know. Um, that would be interesting. Okay. What do we think of Paul? And all his scenes were fairly, I mean, when Frank is gone, I'd like to think Paul is the next person behind, like, after him that everyone would look to during this team and whatnot. He, and he's calling him for a transfer. Meets up with Colonel Darrow. Now we have this new character stirring up the pot. Colonel Darrow seems like a bad dude. What do we think of this whole scene? Colonel's telling him, get, get on, on your knees. knees. Yeah. I don't. scary. That was weird. Like, good weird, but that was weird. It was very weird. Um, I'm thinking, like, World War II, Lord knows what's going to happen. <laughs> it was like, people can... Uh, Maybe I've just watched too many World War II stories, and, like, I was thinking, like, Schindler's List. Like, every time someone got on their knees, they shot them behind the head. Yeah. I'm like, my, my mind went there. That like, would have been something. He can't kill Paul. <laughs> to, have, to have a dead this body in his office. Um, I, don't, I don't believe for a second the Helen story, and Paul doesn't believe it either, obviously. Mm-hmm. But the question is, what's what's the end game for Paul? So he's like, oh, well, we love the same woman. And they kind of do. Like, Paul and Helen had a thing, so I get it. That's feasible. But yeah. that's not the true story. So what's Paul's endgame to go to Dayton? Why does he want to leave New Mexico? What's going on with him? Like, what's what what's really happening to Paul? Because Darrow didn't believe it either. No. I think Paul might just be getting scared, knowing what happened to Frank and the, the way everyone's treating Frank and how he mysteriously up and left. I think he's afraid that that will also eventually happen to him down the line, and he's trying to get out before it's too late. I think there's something more nefarious going on with Paul. Really? He's a British guy. Don't trust British guy. No, I'm kidding about that. But 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 in <laughs> but TV, Britons are friends. They are Britons friends. are allies. But, but here's too. the thing: like like he's not American, and I want to think that there might be a significance to that. There's already Americans who are traitors. Let's talk about Meeks. Yeah, I was like, but, Meeks is American. But Paul is an outsider, so his his motives would be different, anyways. His motives have to be extremely only science because his patriotism is probably not the same as an American. He's And yeah. I know he's fighting he's the same the war Britons. against the same enemy. I, I mean, I get that. But I just feel like there's something more nefarious going on with him. The, the, they cast these things specifically. They cast these guys and girls for a specific reason, the way they look, the way they act, their mannerisms, etc. And Paul has kind of a smarmy look to him. And so <laughs> it's it's... If Fritz came to Darrow and was like, I gotta go to Dayton, I love the same woman... I would agree with you and say, hey, Fritz is trying to get out. He's trying to stay safe, whatever the deal is. Like, I believe it because he's more of a wholesome character. Paul's a little, like, cunning. And we haven't seen him be cunning on a conspiratorial major level. Mm-hmm. But the dude's a little smarmy. Shady? Is the best word. Yeah, he just looks a little shady. He acts a little shady. And so I think there might be something else going on with him. Now, does that mean he's, like, a spy or something? I don't know. I don't know if it's that significant. But there's something else going on with Paul. 
Okay. That's that's a wonderful specific prediction. Yeah, I think I think that's very interesting because we've seen in past episodes in season one, we've seen Paul stick up for Frank as just a a bro, as a as a guy that he generally cares for his teammates. Yeah, and so uh, it's interesting you say that. I still want to believe that Paul's good. He's just trying to get out because, in a way, he might think this is too much for him. Have we agreed about anything yet? I don't know. Just Maybe. that Frank needs to come back. We definitely agreed on that. Yeah, definitely. But everything definitely. else, we're on the we're we on opposite a, sides. We got a little bit of Fritz. Hey, man. Comic very, relief. A very little bit. <laughs> very little You bit. need things like that, though. And not to get back on Fritz because he didn't do anything tonight. But you need guys like that, or, or women, whoever whatever the case is, to... You need a little levity. Mm-hmm. Like, you need Callie's love story. I hope she comes back. I hope Dunlady finds her. You need a different story than just the bomb, you know? Right. you need Right now, it's a lot of affairs and a nuclear warhead. <laughs> you need something to break it up, and you need another subcurrent there. So I hope they stick with Fritz, if it's his love interest or whatever. Is he still hope, dating that I would imagine. Didn't we see her today? I, did, I don't recall. I thought she came up to Meeks and hugged Meeks. Or was it someone else? I might be crazy. My, my I thought it was her. Else. But either Trying way, to recollect. we didn't see that. her with Fritz. It doesn't matter because we didn't no. see them in like a significant romantic way. Um, it might have been somebody else. But yeah, we need like Fritz. We need Callie's story back. We're just, we're I like Team Implosion because they bring the more realistic heart. And, you know, you always feel for them. They're, oh, they're the underdogs. They're the conscious. Yeah. yeah. And we always root for the underdogs, and they're the ones, like, we really have to feel bad for okay, them. Okay, but here's yeah. the thing, and this is, a, this is a weird metaphor. I'm sorry in advance, but you'll understand it. Okay. Um, and I have a feeling a lot of folks out there will. So if you're a baseball fan, if you watch baseball at all, the New York Yankees are the evil empire. They've always been good. They spend a ton of money. They won all these World Series. And then you have the Boston Red Sox were the underdog. The Boston Red Sox didn't win a World Series for 90 years from, you know, uh, 19 whatever it was to 2004 when they won. In 04, the Red Sox win. They defeat the Yankees. They win the World Series. It's underdog central. Everybody's a Red Sox fan. Go Red Sox. And then in the last decade, the Red Sox to a certain extent, not completely, have kind of become the new evil empire. Mm. Payroll goes up. They buy more players. They win a couple more World Series. Suddenly, they kind of become the villain because they're winning and everybody else doesn't like them. The reason I bring that up is when you have the underdog in Team Implosion, they can only stay an underdog for so long because you either get beat into the ground and you're done, and that's obviously not happening to them because their team is moving forward, or you win which they did, and then the underdog becomes the top dog. And when the underdog becomes the top dog, this country loves an underdog story. You are not as likable as the top dog. So watch Team Implosion get less likable throughout the year. Interesting. Okay. I definitely see where you're going with that. I'm telling you. And I don't know how. I know all my predictions Maybe are really vague. in the next season, they become the jerks that that's everyone the thing. likes. Or later this year. Like. Maybe later this year, they become the jerks or, or they become hard to work with or whatever it is. But I'm just like, that's the general path. You got to go underdog to somewhere. Mm-hmm. That's the somewhere. And we know they're they're definitely moving up in the world and they're moving forward. So I, I can see that. But right now, they're good. Yeah, so far. So... Who do you think is not good? Colonel Darrow. I question him. What do you I, think of his character? Yeah, definitely Colonel Darrow. I also think the the danger with Colonel Darrow is this. Um, the religion. And religion's not a danger. I don't mean it that way. But the religion in his position in the army in World War II in this trying times, um, um, it's hard... It's hard not to look at something like World War II as an apocalypse. 
you know, as the coming of the end times. The world is fighting. Millions of people are dying. Speaking so, of, sorry, speaking of that, the song that they played at the beginning, literally, literally, the lyrics were "beginning of the end." Yeah, that's and it'd be <laughs> like, hard, and it'd be hard, and I wish we were alive at that time because I'm sure you know you would have. If we have any significantly older viewers who were alive at that time, I'm sure that there were tons of people talking about the apocalypse, just as there are now on a on a smaller scale with the war in Iraq and all this sort of stuff. I mean, this yeah. is what this is what you know a certain sect of any religion does christianity or otherwise so the fact that darrow so quickly brought up forgive g you know talk to jesus ask for forgiveness get on your knees that struck a huge red flag for me to say is darrow going to look at this level-headed or is he going to look at this through his specific christian perspective which may not help the cause. Mm-hmm. It might be his <laughs> you know, weakness and all It may this. be his weakness only because he's going to look... And this isn't a disrespect at religion. It's just maybe a disrespect at his religion. If you're looking at this as an apocalypse or the end times or whatever it is, we don't know that, but maybe it is. Um, I wonder about his decision-making. Yes, I agree with you on that. I, But in a way, I did like it because it shows like what kind of character he is. He might be top dog now. And, like, a position of authority, but he has a certain mentality. Granted, is he thinking straight? Maybe not. But I liked... in a, That was his way of putting the whole picture into perspective. Be like, you were building something as big as the atomic bomb, and you want to leave just because you're hurt by this one woman, this, and you're not getting a relationship? Yeah. It's like, there are bigger issues we're dealing with. So, like... It was interesting how he put it into perspective through religion. Yeah. So. Yeah, and he kind of he, he kind of he was fits his or fits he was uh, he was Paul Crosley's daddy in that scene. Yeah. In a creepy kind of weird way. In a but very he was creepy like, way. Yeah. But he it did make Paul be like, yeah, you're right. Yeah. So or, I liked, or it just made Paul try to find another way to leave eventually. Eventually. You know? But I did like Darrow for that, putting it into a bigger perspective. I think Darrow's a bad dude. I think we're just con- conditioned. I don't trust him, though. I don't, and I think we shouldn't. We're kind of conditioned to think that the, the military arm in this camp are bad dudes. Um, and that's the way it's kind of been the entire season. Yeah. With maybe Dunleavy as an exception. Uh, and he's, you know, so so low on the totem pole, totem pole, it doesn't matter. Yeah, speaking of Dunleavy, let's get into Liza. Liza trying to find Callie. Don't know where and trying to find Frank. She doesn't know where her husband or her daughter is. Like, she's all alone. I feel bad for her. Liza's in a bad situation. Liza, they got to use her. They got to use her. They have she's to. She's so damn smart. And and I, the fact that Dara's even questioning is like, what is Aloria doing getting in trouble? It's like you're in, in a way subjecting this woman who's not really in the dark anymore, but now they call her out knowing that she knows the secret. It's like, well, good. Now she knows. Don't punish her. Use her. Yeah, that's you don't have thing. Frank. You don't have... It's like you lost a big character. Use Liza. She has the smart. She's a botanist. She, it's like she knows science. Use her. Yeah, she might know something unique. And I think that's actually a great prediction for a story arc this season is, does Liza know one really specific tangentially botany related thing that is going to put this whole bomb to you know something weird that's going to put this whole bomb together and they couldn't have done it without her phd uh mm-hmm. she think, knows minerals and yeah i think that's a, a totally legit prediction i don't know if it'll come true but she is so damn smart she knows everything now you don't have to debrief her she's already there uh use her you know yeah and then she's also trying to catch up with them leaving trying to find her daughter callie 
And now we also see Callie leave on a bus. Bye-bye. Uh, obviously, Do you think this was too soon for Callie to leave? Oh, for sure. From the show for good, for sure. Yeah. And, and, and it's the old TV thing. It doesn't matter how big your character is. If you've had lines, and Callie's had a lot of lines in season one. She was a, yeah, she she was was a, a big regular. Um, you don't get on a bus with your back turned to us, and we just see you through the window, yeah. and Bye. you don't say anything. You don't have a scene. You just get on a bus. That's not how a character leaves a show. You'd at least give her some lines if she were really leaving. Mm-hmm. So the fact that she didn't get any lines means either She's a back. well I say a behind the scenes the writers hated her and I doubt that <laughs> but 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 more seriously I mean it means that she's coming back because she didn't get a true send off so we're obviously going to see her again um Dunlavy I think we're all conditioned to kind of like Dunlavy cuz he's young and innocent and and you know he's just talk about a pawn in the game he has no idea what's going on he's just yes sir no sir doing what I can sir and his title doesn't really mean anything yeah it's it's worth you know worthless yeah um and he and he's a good dude I mean he's he's not doing anything now granted I know they were trying to like have sex and all this sort of and stuff he called on Liza and he called all the you but know but all the men to get me like if if you take her away I won't get to see her it's like he's just that hurt and he truly boy. believes I truly believe that he truly believes he's in love yeah so I I don't know. I, I like Dunleavy a lot. Because we like Dunleavy a lot, Callie's coming back for sure. It's just a question of maybe we don't see her for like three or four episodes. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah, she didn't get a proper send-off, so I think she's definitely going to And now, back. with Frank gone, with Callie gone, those are two things less Liza has to do, even though she's trying to figure out what the hell's going on with Frank. So give give her something to do. Exactly. Make her part of the project. That's That's it. And then I, I did love the fact that Frank's in his, you know, equation and whatnot. He used the variables, Callie's letters. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. I would, I would like to... I'd like to think there are other messages hidden within the equation. Well, that's a good point. I would like to, going back to the gender thing and, and deferring to the side of the women on the show, I would also like the, the science, the political side, the meeting rooms, all this stuff are so male-dominated and that's the way it was at the time. I mean, this is true to time, unfortunately. Yeah. But for the show's perspective, because you're going to take liberties on a TV show, I want to see a woman's presence in there because I think it would cut the testosterone a little bit. And and when you only have these men in there constantly butting heads, if you only do that, it's going to get repetitive. Mm-hmm. So if Helen gets in these meetings, if Liza gets in these, you know, whatever it is, if somebody else gets in these meetings and you have another dynamic in there as an outsider and the men are going to attack her or ignore her or whatever, but it's going to change the dynamic of those meetings and I think it's going to make that less repetitive as opposed to every week we go in and Oppenheimer sits down and Charlie sits down and the bureaucrats sit down. It's like, we get it, throw in a wrinkle. So maybe that wrinkles Liza. I, I I agree with this. They need to utilize the women more. Granted, we saw some of the women last year you know, crunching all the numbers during their whole implosion and whatnot. So, yeah. like, they they do use them for certain purposes. But I feel to maybe shake up the politics, throw in Liza, because she did run for, well, what was that? She ran for Can't, a thing. Yeah. Helen's Can't, a smart scientist. And she won. So, like, we don't, we do know that Liza has clout within the community. Yeah. And she can, ha- and now she has educational academic clout. And that's the thing. And, in the project. And even Darrow said it, you know, Barnard, right? Uh, was that where she went Barnard, not a charm school? Yeah. So even Darrow recognizes that. So it's like even if you put one in a – not even a leadership role but some kind of upper management role there, um, it's going to be a disaster. The men are going to attack her. The men are going to ignore her, whatever. 
But just it changes that dynamic so much that maybe something different comes. Maybe they have a great idea in how Frank was the underdog with Implosion and no one would listen to him. Maybe Liza becomes the new underdog. She has an idea and no one will listen to her because she's a woman and she has to fight like a dog to get heard. In in a parallel thing to what Frank did in season one. Right. And I can also see it the other way too. And like, granted, I'm for the women being part of this, but sometimes when you bring in the woman, you bring the more consciousness into it. And like having the whole idea, you are now affecting children and men and women, families. I would love to that. see that though, because that's the key here is the thing they haven't dealt with a ton on the show, and they did with Frank's dreams and stuff, but is the moral relativism i don't know of Moral like compass is this the right thing to do and we know it gets done we know it's horrific hiroshima and nagasaki it's awful um mm-hmm. but it's like do you, do you end the war once and for all by dropping these bombs and so millions stop getting killed elsewhere and that's what ended up happening yeah but like is it worth it to drop the bombs you do irreparable harm to, you know japan struggled for decades, decades after this so it's it's that's the moral thing that I want to get into a little bit, and it's tough on this show because we don't get on the front lines. The one, and I can't figure out if it's a strength or a shortcoming, is they stay in the Manhattan Project. They don't go to the European front. They don't go to the Pacific front. So we don't see the other side of soldiers dying. You know, we saw Frank in World War One, mm-hmm. and that was about it. We're not in the Pacific theater. We're not in Europe. We're not seeing soldiers dying and, and Jewish people dying in the Holocaust. We're not no. seeing that stuff. So we only get one side of, you of know, the we're, war. we're doing it for the country. We're doing a good thing. There's atrocities going on. Trust us, you know. And we all know what happens in World War II. We know atrocities are going on. But because we don't see them on the show, it it removes one dynamic from this moral discussion of uh, is what we are doing right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I can't, couldn't have said it better. So, is there anything else about this episode you'd like to discuss? Oh, I'm sure, but I didn't think, discuss. I think we knocked it out. If we missed anything, again, comment, tweet us at Serafini TV, at Bobby DeMuro. I should also, check my Twitter right now. Also, going back to the conversation with Abby and Charlie, you said it was after the fact, and we're still questioning if Abby after went through the, the abortion. abortion conversation, yeah. There was the line where Abby said, it feels like a girl. Yeah, and I don't know how to interpret that. If she was so, just lying to him to feel good, or if it really I, feels like a girl. I, I feel that she's still pregnant. She okay. thinks it's a girl. Okay. And women tend to know. Pregnant women always usually find out in some way. They have a mother natural instinct of, like, they know the gender of their child. Okay. But, okay. Let's get into some news. Yeah, let's do news and gossip. After Buzz TV News. That's a very fitting sound. Sorry, I was, I was reading my notes. One thing, I guess, the methylphenobarbital pills that Liza mentions. Yeah. But we kind of had an idea of Liza's mental illness, I guess, whatever you want to say. They've addressed it last They've season. addressed it, so it'll, it's not. They yeah. think Callie has it, too. Or yeah, might be suffering that's from an interesting, it too. Yeah. I guess we'll see. Um, one piece of news, not really news, but kind of an angle on... Manhattan the show and I thought it was appropriate for the first episode of season two if you haven't I know you haven't read it because I sent one of these quotes to you and you hadn't seen it yet for folks at home if you haven't read it the Hollywood Reporter has a very good review up on Manhattan more of an editorial on what Manhattan means to television and there's a couple key quotes up from it Uh, let me just read them out first one quote 
Pity Poor Manhattan, one of the poster boys for our Too Much TV era. A sturdy, handsomely made period drama you may not have even realized exists, airing on a network you may still think only broadcasts Cubs games, Manhattan has committed the cardinal sin of merely being very good in a programming moment that emphasizes greatness and awfulness. Is a phenomenal two sentences on Manhattan and television in general. Um, Another quote from them, quote, Manhattan returns to WGN America for its second season, and it hasn't made one of those leaps that might cause critics to yell into the void that this is a classic drama that viewers are missing out on, but it still features a superb and growing ensemble cast, a textured commitment to period detail that's true, the smooth execution of some of TV's best directors, and the looming potential of atomic detonation to give it all some dramatic juice. Quote number three, quote, still in the shadow of the Cubs, heavily promoted CBS repeats an incompatibly trashy Salem on its own network. More on that in a second. Mm -hmm. And unlikely to be liberated from that shadow by a nice Emmy win for its opening credit sequence. Manhattan is still a meaty historical thriller. There's an audience for those if viewers just take notice. I think it, it... pins the tail on Manhattan so well. It's a really good show. It's probably not, like, great right now. Maybe yeah. it will be by the end of the season. But it's not on that next level. It's not, like, what people regard for Breaking Bad or Mad Men or whatever. It's not there, but it's so damn good. But it's on but a it weird channel. It, it could It could be definitely there. be there. It's on a weird channel with the other channel's original television programming, Salem, is Awful. No one knows that better than you and I. We will not be back for season three of that show. (laughs) That was terrible. That was campy. It was stupid. It was poorly done. Manhattan suffers from that, suffers from WGN. No one knows exists. The Cubs game thing is kind of ironic. They won today, so the Cubs are moving around the playoffs. Oh, goodness. Um, I'm I'm from Illinois, so, like, everybody was talking about it. (laughs) Get ready. They're they're moving on. Um, It just... You want to stand up and yell. We were talking about this off air before we went on air today. You want to stand up and yell like, this is kind of like Mad Men. If you liked Mad Men, you'd watch this show. And neither one of us has seen a ton of Mad Men. And if you've watched a ton of Mad Men, maybe we're totally wrong. Right. But I just get the feeling that this is kind of in that vein. I I agree because Mad Men, and, and I think where they've been making the comparisons, Mad Men, the pacing and the politics and just the character development, how everyone is sleeping around with everybody. There, like, there's a lot of similarities between yeah. the shows. Is this Granted, a show? Is this Mad a show? Mad Men was show? on AMC, a exactly. bigger platform, and Manhattan was is on WGN. Granted, if Manhattan had a bigger, better platform, like people would compare this show to all these other big name networks. <sighs> I shows. think so. I think I think. I think it should be respected. It's probably pretty well respected in the industry anyways. Mm-hmm. I think it should be respected. It's a damn good show. Um, they but will it always... should be considered along with all those big yeah. names. Yeah, and they will always walk that line of um, because you're a historical true-to-life drama. Robert, Robert Oppenheimer was a real man. Because you are historically doing this as a period piece, you have to walk the balance between how do we tell the story without either A, going by the book so you already know what happens, or mm-hmm. B, going so far off the book it becomes stupid. Salem went so, so far, far off, off the book it became stupid. Um, but you have to go a little off the book. and thus far, To keep it interesting. Exactly. And thus far Manhattan's gone a little off the book. The characters are composites. Charlie Isaacs wasn't a, wasn't a real person at that time. You know, Frank Winter wasn't. So you go off the book with these guys and then are you going to stay in that off the book 
line and still mm-hmm. be compelling? Do you go too far back to the story and you're just a historical thing? Or do you go way the hell away? I think that's that's what will make this show either great or kind of crappy. And I'm think, optimistic. Yeah, and I think Manhattan does that so well. When it comes down to the science and the actual projects, some politics that go behind it, they actually did because there was the Project Then Man and all the nuclear tests that they've done and, like, and then all the failures during all doing all the yeah. math calculations. So in a way, the scientific element is very still by the book, whereas the character developments and the stories very dramatized for our viewing pleasure. And that's probably the success, the path to success for them. And I'm sure they've had these conversations a hundred times in the writers' room. Is here's the science. Here are the dozen key plot points that actually happened in history. Mm-hmm. We're going to hit these major dozen points: Thin Man and the test and the bombs, whatever. But we're going to get there in our own way. So we will always come back to these points so you know, you know, we're not going to ignore a major we're thing in history. historically accurate. Exactly. But we're, we're going to meander to there. And I think that's how you'd be successful to leave enough to the audience, enough to the imagination, while still not saying, hey, we're not talking about a bomb anymore. We're talking about a full-fledged whatever Story. thriller that didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I agree. All right. So let's get to predictions. Let's do it. And now... Shall you go first or shall I? I made 12 during the show. You did. I think we've dropped a little predictions here there. Let's just run through like really quick. So Frank will certainly be back. I don't think has to be. I don't think he's going to be back for another couple episodes, but he'll be back. Really? I think the longer you delay him, the more dramatic his return will be. Because I want to see what Liza does without him. Do they use Liza? Does Liza go like full on investigative mode? If he comes back next week, Liza's character arc, the mini arc that she's on right now, is just wasted. Because it's like, well, okay, Frank's back, so what's Liza do now? Okay. I want to see what they do with her for a few episodes. Without so I think, Frank. I think we wait another maybe two or three or maybe more episodes, and then his return will be dramatic. Uh, Callie will be back, but that's kind of minor. Dunlavy, we got to see. I want to see that love story. I want to see Fritz's love story. Um, I'm still mad about Fisher. I'm mad he's dead. Who replaces him? Who's the new interrogator? Who's the guy who killed him? Exactly. It seemed like he was the same guy that Meeks was talking to when he went to go to his mother's funeral. Mm-hmm. So that, that was the same guy. So now he's in uh, New Mexico during uh, at Los Alamos. So now he's he's Meeks is bringing other people into the hill so who else is there or is coming to the hill yeah that we can't trust and i will say i will give you one more specific prediction is darrow and i'll stick on the religion thing with darrow something about getting on your knee it was a weird scene getting on your knees ask jesus for forgiveness that's a weird angle to start darrow's character with and something is funny about darrow in a different way than what cox was as the colonel before Darrow is going to be a huge monkey wrench in the program in a really bad way. I I definitely agree with you on that. I think because we did see the quick shot with Meeks with the Julius Caesar book. Oh, how symbolic that is and yeah. all the betrayal and whatnot. Now using sending messages and that's the book is the key, is the key to all these coded messages. So I think that's going to get intercepted somehow. Someone's going to find out. And then also in the flash forward, there was the line if. Anyone sees Frank detain him, pretty much. It's like, uh, you're 
you guys have the grounds to arrest him. And then we see Meeks go into that barn and he closes the door. I think, and maybe we'll get to that point, but when Freight comes back, he now knows that Meeks is a mole and he's waiting in the that Ooh. barn ready to get Meeks. So Frank comes back as the Avenger to stop Meeks to from stop destroying Meeks. the program. Yeah. That's a good prediction. Like I think throughout the when Frank does come back, he realizes throughout all these episodes that Meeks is the and then he's the one who stops Meeks when it, they do the test. I like it. I like it too. I like it a lot. Okay. Maybe may a while before that comes true. It might be a while, yeah. but <laughs> like 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 how, final episode of the season. Right. How great of a build up would that be then? I like that. And I'm telling you, the longer that we delay Frank's return, as much as we want him and need him, the more that Charlie flounders and Darrow does whatever, the more dramatic Frank's return will be. If he comes back, you know, out of the wilderness seven episodes from now, depending on how they write it, it's like Jaw dropper, holy crap, Frank's back, he's kicking ass. It's more dramatic than if next week he shows up and he's like, Man, I had a rough time. You're yeah. like, Wait a You second. were gone for like two days, yeah. dude. <laughs> uh, I agree. Okay, everyone, where can we follow you, Bobby? Uh, Twitter at Bobby DeMuro and um, YouTube. I mean, comments all the time. So if you guys, we check these things obviously all week between the shows. So if you guys want to comment on YouTube, hit subscribe on iTunes. I will say this too, scheduling-wise, we are in this time slot every Tuesday. So Tuesdays, 10 p.m. Pacific Time, live. You can always get this afterwards if you're watching this on Wednesday or Thursday. Hello from the past. Um, but Tuesdays, 10 p.m. Pacific Time, every week. Yeah, and you can follow me on Twitter, at TV. Just one more thing about the title, Damnatio Memoria. Yeah, do it. There's actually that the literal meaning means condemnation of memory, which the Romans used back in the day. It is pretty much the sense of judgment that a person must not be remembered. So, like, you're forced to forget. That's what they're called. So, are we forced to forget, Frank? I think that's Who a great knows? title. That's a great title because we lose so many people. We, we lose lost him. Cox. We lost Callie. We're going to kind of by extension lose Dunlavy. We lost Frank. We lose Fisher. We lose a lot of people. Yeah. But you guys do not lose us. We'll be here every week talking about the show. Again, follow all of us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those social media platforms at AfterBuzzTV. Go check out DraftKings.com. Use the promo code BUZZBUZZ. And have a great night. We'll see you next week. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz you later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.